Good morning. Good to see you on this, uh, what do I call that? Wrongly named weekend. Can I say that? It should not be called Labor Day tomorrow. It should be called No Labor Day tomorrow. I mean, what? Anyway, good to be here. Good to see you. Those of you who are following along also uh, from home or from, from your travels or from around the world. We know we have sometimes people from, from just about every continent of the globe following along here. It is such a privilege to be with you also there in our sense. I hope you sense that you are with us here also in a strong way. Um, it's been a very long time since I last sang... Rock of ages cleft for me. Well, it's kind of refreshing. I had not, you know, I don't remember last time, but, but it, it was great. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust you more. In many ways, that kind of is the theme. We're, we're in a series right now, um, that we, that we have named, uh, an invitation to God's party or, or God's banquet. It's about a feast. Jesus have four different parables that we could name banquet parables. They all focus in where he compares directly, not saying it's similar to, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding party. So it's about joy. It's about feasting. It's about celebration, not about the opposite that some has sometimes tried to make it. So today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 25 and, and look at uh, what's going on there. Last Sunday, we focused on the invitation, the invitation to come out, and it went out to everyone. And so we are now uh, asked then uh, to, to RSVP on that invitation. And there today, we're standing outside the banquet hall, uh, kind of getting ready to get in. So we're going to look at what it means to be preparing to be ready for the banquet. I think most of us have tried the kind of sense that that thing that happens when you in the middle of the night can kind of wake up like like in an instant you go from being deeply asleep to being 100% fully awake and in that moment where you wake up a billion thoughts are flowing through your mind. All kinds of things going on because there's something that is coming up that is going on in the back of your mind. We have all heard about brides, right? The, they were dreaming and they were woken in the middle of their dream the night before their wedding and just they knew for a fact that they had forgotten to buy a wedding dress, right? We've all kind of heard of that. Uh, you know, some of us who have been in school a lot, we... We've had similar experiences when it came to exam time. You wake up in the middle of the night just like that, and you know for a fact you can remember nothing of what you have ever learned, and the biggest exam of your life is coming tomorrow. Yes? Some of you have been, been in a situation where the most important job interview uh, is tomorrow, and you are just not sure what in the world going to say, and you want to put your best foot forward and right now, in that flash of a second, you realize you're not prepared. What am I going to do? I had a phone call a few years ago. A, a business person in, in our church called me up and said, Pastor, you want to go with me tomorrow to Paris? We're going there, uh, have, bringing several employees, and, 
and uh, and we're going. We're going to fly first class. We're going to be in a very swanky hotel. We're just going to be there two days and go back do business stuff. And I had one call just now to say I can't go. I just got sick. There's no way, and it's too late to cancel anything. If you're ready, you can go. What do you do? <laughs> I looked at the calendar and said, I, yeah, I don't do anything to do that, but I just can't. The calendar is packed. I was invited, but I was unprepared. And that happens, friends. Sometimes it's without any kind of fall of ours, like in the case I just uh, told you here. Other times it happens because... Uh, you know, you either slept during class or you were not attentive or, or things were, were going, going on. You misprioritized your time or you just flat out gave in to laziness, right? It happens. It was Benjamin Franklin who put it this way. He said, by failing to prepare, you prepare to fail. That's not a bad thing to uh, be reminded of. Jesus talks to us in a parable about that. And we are going to look at this right here about being invited to the greatest banquet possible of your life and then not be prepared to participate in the celebrations. Last Sunday, as I mentioned, we looked at the invitation and the need for the RSVP. The invitation went out to everybody. No one did not get it. But we needed to RSVP this time, as I said, we'll stand in front of the door and begin like this. Chapter 25, the first verse of the book of, of the Gospel of Matthew. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins or bridesmaids. You know how that's translated. Some of your translation will have that. Uh, who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take oil with them, but the wise ones took oil in their flask with their lamps. When the groom uh, was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, there was a shout, Here's the groom! Come out to meet him! And when all the virgins got up and, and trimmed their lamps, the foolish ones said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. The wise one answered, no, there won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. And when they had gone to buy some, the groom arrived. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later, the rest of the virgins also came and said, master, master, open up for us. And he replied, Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, Jesus says, be alert because you don't know either the day or the hour. Ten bridesmaids or virgins, your translation would have it differently because the word uh, refers either to the function that, that they had right there. That's the way they translate the function was that they were bridesmaids or uh, the word itself refers to, to young women that were not yet married. Five were wise, five were foolish, 
What separated them? You know, that's a good question, really. They'd all shown up for the wedding. They were all there in, in a good time. They had all remembered their lamps. And they came, every one of them, fully prepared to celebrate the arrival of the groom when he showed up. They were ready to make that a very special moment. So in which way were some of them foolish and some of them wise? Well, very good question. Thank you for asking. You know, we, we, we need to kind of pay attention to the flow of this parable and it will become clear to us. Actually, it gives us tremendous insight to what life is all about for us as, as human beings. It speaks directly to that and it speaks about a kind of a, a pattern of thinking, a way of, of constructing the, your thinking about life that sometimes can, can happen unconsciously and it blocks the very opportunity that you might have to come to experience life in a full and festive and glorious kind of way to enter a banquet that God has invited you to do. So I want you to hear this uh, as a, a reference to, from Jesus to how we live our lives. You know, don't think of these invitations to the banquet that Jesus is talking about as just a, how do I get in? It is always about how do I come to participate in the banquet that God has provided and has prepared for us. It is not just about the sweet by and by. It is the banquet, the participation in the kingdom of God that he's inviting us to experience even at this point. It's already, not fully, but already now it's going to be full when he comes back and we get to see him face to face. So here, look at this text again. Just look down in the text and notice it is actually possible to meet life completely unprepared in every way. The problem of the foolish, so to speak, here uh, in relationship to the wise was not that they went to sleep before the groom showed up. They all went to sleep. It was not drowsiness or lack of attention to the significance of the moment. Some were wise and some fool, but they were all on the same page when it came to that. Everyone recognized that this was a special, very significant moment, and they had to be there. They could not miss it. What separated the wise from the foolish was the preparation that preceded the moment. I needed you to see this, and I hope you will pay attention to this, and I hope really that you are paying a lot of attention. Jesus' words here are indeed like gold to the poor, like water to the thirsty, like light to those who walk in darkness. If you truly Get what he is saying here. It will change your life. 
And I'm not just saying this, friends. This is not really kind of rhetorical stuff. We've had enough time to kind of play stuff up, a play church, right? We, we want to see the transforming power of Christ. So, if you're like me, there's some place in your heart that feels like the wife didn't do right. They should have shared, yes? They flat should have shared. That's not right. If you have something, you should share with those who have nothing. Yes? Isn't that what Jesus teaches us all the time? If you have something, in fact, some of you may not buy two coats because you know you have to give the one of them away if you have two, right? To someone who has none. But see, that, that is the very point that he is making right here. There are certain things that you can't just like nothing just give away. There are certain things that you can't just receive from others. There are certain things that you can't borrow. There are certain things that require preparation. Think of a farmer. We would have thought he or she had lost their minds if they were walking about harvest time up and down their field looking for a harvest they never sowed. We would go, hello, da-da, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to realize that if you do not sow something, nothing's going to be there when harvest time comes. We, we realize that. The same is true with the exam I just kind of referred to earlier, uh, right? If, if you are not prepared, if you're not studied, if you're not uh, done what you could to prepare for that moment, that moment when you sit in that chair and it is just you and that piece of paper and the pencil, there is nothing you can say other than oops. Right? You can't just borrow it from someone else. That moment, you are there and you have to rely on your preparation. Most of you will know, or many of you will know, if you study any kind of history, you will know that, that Mr. Winston Churchill was recognized for his ability to speak extemporaneously. Supposedly, unplanned and on the moment, just here was the moment, and he spoke with uncanny wisdom and directness. Yes? So a young journalist was asking him at one time, said, Mr. Churchill, we're always wondering how it's possible for you to speak extemporaneous like that. And he looked at him and said, young man, you need to know that every extemporaneous moment is carefully prepared. Sound like a conflict, doesn't it? There's some things that require preparation and it can't just be borrowed from someone else there's i think it's a joke i i'm not a fisherman enough to know that that's the case but but i read this funny story at one time with with two two uh fishermen they were they were just all oh, they'd done it forever their whole lives and one was throwing out uh his his uh bait on one side the other one on the other a little rowboat and one kept hauling them in and the other one just never caught a thing and f- suddenly he said in frustration to the one who caught them all said how come you catch them all I don't get any of them and he said look at my thermos look at yours you got coffee in yours I got my worms in mine you got to keep the worms warm you tell me whether that's a true story or not 
But it tells us about preparation. There are just some things you can't get from others. When the reality of life hits you with surprising power and with a suddenness yet you had never expected, it is your preparation that determines the result and how much you're impacted and the way you are by it. Who is foolish? That is those who live without caring for a second about the reality that the next moment can be completely, utterly different from this moment in your life. Who is wise? Those who realize that even the situation that you could not possibly predict would happen ahead of time, you can still live in a certain kind of preparation for that moment, even moments that surprise you with extraordinary power and unpredictable force. Even in faith of that, you can live with a certain preparation. And we're going to get to that in just a second. Again, look, look at the situation. We're going to follow the flow of this parable. This was a well-known situation, and nothing surprising. Jesus says this, and they all go, yeah, we know that. We've all been there. It is just what happens all the time. There were some bridesmaids that were selected to celebrate and to make festive that kind of entrance of the groom. Those were the kind of ways that they were celebrating this. And they all were there. They were there early. They knew that was their task. They knew they had to be ready. The lamps were stuck on a big pole. And they were swinging that as a great light show on the black uh, you know, evening sky there. And so the groom would come in with all the festivity possible. And so here they were. Things didn't quite develop the way they thought. Whether that was predictable or not, it could have been. It might have been just a common situation also that sometimes the groom was late. But that's really not relevant to the parable. The new situation that was there, the point that Jesus is making is that there are some because of the preparation that their lives contain, are able to tackle unexpected situation with strength and readiness, while others, because of the lack of preparation that their lives have, will fail and crumble. I feel like I need to say one thing more without being repetitive, just to notice here that that none of us today need to misread that and think that the five wise ones were some of these super people. You know them all, right? They're super moms out there, yes? They can do it all. They're never surprised. They're always ready, right? They used sometimes to tease my wife. If we're driving from here to Louisville, we can have a tornado and not come home for two weeks. We'll still have enough stuff in the car to survive, right? Because <laughs> everything is planned. Right? Everything is planned. But these were not super people that just never saw a surprise. There's not any kind of sense that there's a deeper kind of line, mental or social difference between the wise and the foolish. 
When the groom was delayed, they all went to sleep. Wise and foolish alike. None of them had this extra kind of measure or power to stand up all night and look out in the sky to see and make sure that no one was passing them by. They were all tired. They all went to sleep. So none of us need to kind of get exhausted or lose our breath when we look at the five wise bridesmaids here. Their preparation had not transformed them into super beings. It had just given them a background upon which they could tackle the things that came their way, even when it came with surprising suddenness. Oh, I heard, I hope we hear this, friends. It's, it is such an important lesson that, that the Lord gives us here, right? And so I have to ask you, how are you on this? And it's not a rhetorical question again. It's so easy to hear this thing as rhetorical, but it's your lives. It's a real life that matters Whether you're sitting someplace on this globe in some room uh, and you watch this someplace. Hear this. This matters. That's why our Lord is telling this parable. Albert Spicer, this kind of polymath that was, that was good at authority in just about all aspects. He was a physician. He was a philosopher. He was humanitarian. He was a writer. He was a theologian. He was a musician, musicologist. He, he won a Nobel Prize, uh, and all of that. He says in one of his books, <clears throat> he says, I have to admit that the reason I became like I am in music was this tightly wound ant I had. (laughs) That every time I wanted to go play as a boy, she held me to the piano. And I had to kind of do, and I learned the kind of muscular coordination you can only learn as a child, and it has stayed with me. Yes. Different kinds of preparation. This is a long time, a long term, I would say, preparation for things that you don't know what is coming, but it, it re- prepared him to have open doors that earth before would be closed, to, to have the oil necessary to open the door, so to speak. You want to stay with this parable. Maybe that's also what scripture is referring to when it says, train the child in the way that he or she should go. Just see that, the long time. But that kind of long-term preparation is not necessarily all that helpful for the suddenness that life can bring in difficult moments. So what is the kind of preparedness that Jesus is talking about here? What is he referring to when he says, be alert at last verse? Because you don't know the hour or the, or the time. Look at it. Does he want us to always go around being a little bit kind of tensive and, and, and uncertain and full with anxiety? Am I ready? Am I ready? No, 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 no. Not at all. It's the exact opposite. He's the one. Jesus who said, come to me. All ye who are weary and, and heavy laden or burdened, 
That, that's the point, right? The preparedness that he is talking about is a preparedness that is sufficient for all life and all aspects of life. It's a preparedness that is not just there for special moments that you can pull out when needed. You're, it's not a, a kind of thing you can borrow and just have a friend and you pull it out. Just think about it for a moment. It's about the oil that you didn't have. What do you do when sorrow comes at you like a tornado and tears everything up and turns life upside down? Maybe there are people that you know have deep strength that you can lean on. You can find support from them, and, and that is great. But when everything is said and done, in the last instant, instant that, their strength is not your strength. When you meet a person who carefully had nurtured a deep-seated faith until it burns with a clear and steady flame, it becomes quite easy to see how a superficial soul cannot just borrow such a person's faith when darkness gathers around. It is what grows deeply in your heart and in your soul that determines the resources that are available to you when life meets you with great suddenness and power. And when you find your resources sufficient, when you experience the opposite, that you find that they are not yet sufficient, that you have not yet grabbed a hold of the one who will grant you his power, there's only one thing to do, dear friends, and that is to go where the oil can be found. That and that alone will give you that surplus of resources to face the suddenty of life with strength. I'll give you another example. What do you do when, when, uh, when temptation slams against your bulwark and, and, and threatens to Swallow up your whole existence and turn it around and, and place you in a situation where suddenly with your life you become a spokesman for the very things that you abhor or don't agree with. Where's the oil that prepares you for that kind of temptation? Where is it? Well, here is it. This is the point where you can distinguish between the burned out, bankrupt consciousness that in vain cries out for more power to resist and, and then the one, the prepared soul that had met Jesus Christ and drunk from his power. We could find example upon example on life and where we need for it not to run dry of oil 
when suddenness seemed to change everything. But see, that's the point of this parable. The five wise lived a life close to the supplies. That's the point. That's exactly what Jesus is referring to when he says, Come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened. The five wise could relax. There was no need for an unnecessary worry or anxiety about what would come. Their preparation consisted in the fact that they brought the oil. Are we getting this? They brought the oil, and and that is the challenge of Jesus' parable to me and to you all the time. Drink deeply from the sources the fountain of power. That's when you see transformation happen in your life. And instead of you finding yourself outside the door without oil, you now find yourself inside, participating in the party with oil in the, I mean, with light in the lamp, and oil in the flask. Some of you may still wonder, what does that mean? How, how does that happen? How do, can I make that happen in my life? I hope you will listen carefully here. And maybe we'll have a number of us just come down and say, Lord, I need more oil. And be ready. Fill my flask. Make me ready. It happens, dear friends, when Jesus becomes Lord of your life, with that confession is not just words in your lips, but the reality of your life that he is Lord. It happens when you read his word so much that the insight and the wisdom that is found there will shape the very fabric of your brain structure. It happens when you look at him so much that both your cornea and your retina has his picture painted on, on it. So everything you do and see is seen through him. It happens when prayer becomes the daily rule, even the daily rapture, if you will. Can I encourage us, imagine here, our community of faith right on the corner of Valley Ranch right here. Imagine this. Receive the oil from his Holy Spirit. If it happens, friends, let me rephrase that. When it happens, you will experience what it means to be inside. Seeing the banquet, participating in the banquet, having light in your lamp and oil in your flask. I don't know if that's not what we want. Not what, not what you want. You're a lot different from me. I want that. It's my life. 
And I live it before God. And I live it before my friends. I live it before my students. I live it before my, the people in my neighborhood. I live it before people in the workplace. I live it before the world. I need to be one with light in the lamp and oil in the flash. Right? Even with our family. Can we stand, friends? And I want to invite you. Come down and pray. Ask God. Just beg God to fill your lamp. Light your lamp and fill your flask. I know we are not all that accustomed to doing that in this church. But what a better time. Some of you may want to join the church and say, hey, this is the time. I know it's Labor Day weekend and so many are gone and they're traveling. So many are listening probably also in different ways and from this room. But let's not waste this moment. He is here. And he says, I'm here with the flask and the lamp. I want to light your lamp and give you oil in your flask. Come on down, friends, and pray. Grab someone's hand and let us turn to Christ and say, that's the kind of people we want to be. Invited to the party and ready, prepared to go in.